Hey, listeners, we stand on a precipice with the world watching and are asked to take a stand against systemic racism, police brutality, and the general oppression and mistreatment of our brothers, sisters, and neighbors. To quote Outrageous Mechanism's co-founder, Andrew Crawford, the things we do now will define us as people, as communities, as societies, for all future generations. So do the right thing. Space Bras and Outrageous Mechanisms stands unequivocally with Black Lives Matter and the uprising sparked by the murder of George Floyd and countless other black men and women. We are not going back to business as usual and ignoring the murder and mistreatment of black, indigenous, and people of color in our society. Please don't either. Stay engaged in the movement so that we may make a lasting change for generations to come. Take to the streets if you can, and please donate money to sustain the movement. Check the podcast description for links to bail relief funds, mutual aid funds for protesters who contract COVID-19, and Black-owned businesses. What? Do they know I'm Black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my Black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a Black man. <laughs> Could see no brother around here. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. Yo, sorry, man. Get out! Yo! Hi, welcome to Space Bros, the sci-fi movie podcast for bad bitch feminists. I'm Mary Johnston, and with me is a white girl I'd happily accompany home to meet her fam. <laughs> Okay, Whitney. Oh. What's up, Yikes. girls? <laughs> hey, Mary. There's not quite a lot here to plum for comedy. Um, yeah. In the land of, of Get Out, although it is a very funny movie. It's very fun and effective. It's a good time. By the way, this movie makes me feel hyper white. Let's talk about it. <laughs> you need all yeah, you yeah. need all types, but unfortunately, I wish we had more of this type uh, in the space that we deal in. Um, sci-fi yeah, in is sci-fi. Really, sci-fi is really white and really heterosexual. We really have to dig to find stuff that's yeah, not absolutely. very white and absolutely. very heterosexual. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Which is which is a bummer. Yep. Um, so we'll just keep on trying to uplift as many voices as we can. And hey, if you have ideas, uh, let us know um, by sharing us an email or a direct message, whatever you want. Okay. First impressions. Mary? What were your first impressions of Get Out? I love this movie. Um, I watched Key and Peele when it was on Comedy Central. Um, so I've been a longtime fan of Jordan Peele. The thing I remember the most about it is a bunch of little things. Like, of course, the message is very powerful and it's powerfully delivered and it's a beautifully made movie. Um, but I remember there are being things that made me be like, whoa, while I was watching it and then be like, why does that so feel so transgressive? Like, I don't think that I've ever seen in a movie theater. Like, I think I've seen it in maybe and maybe some like more like art housey kind of movies from the past. I don't think I've seen in my a movie made in my lifetime, a mainstream film, where you see a black man kill a white woman in self-defense. I don't that was like no. I I remember seeing it and being like I think this is the first time I've ever seen this happen in a movie and yep. and being kind of like blown away by that just, both from the standpoint of that it like kind of like shocked me culturally because I had never seen it before and also was I was like ashamed <laughs> that I had never seen it before I was like what are, what are yeah. we doing as a culture like 
these are just, like, come on. So that's what I mostly remember. I remember coming out of it and being like, man, we're much farther behind than I thought we were going in, which does make sense now that I know more things about, like, when it was written and why it was made. Um, But we'll get into that more as we discuss. It was really fun seeing this movie in Atlanta. Um, I actually had read an interview where the star uh, actually saw this in opening weekend in a theater in Atlanta not uh not the like big regal cineplex where I saw it months and months and months later where every showing was still filled out which was awesome and just how lovely it was for him to see it and I do love my city and it was nice getting to see this movie months and months later still fully packed out took a bunch of my design friends Guys, we're going to be dealing in some spoilers. Uh, if you have not seen Get Out, you should go and watch it. Um, if you're okay with spoilers, fine. It's still a good movie, even if you know what happens. But uh, seeing people, like, listening to people cheer uh, at the end was just, it was a really fun experience. Joe, do you want to give us a little plot overview? Chris is going home with his girlfriend, Rose, to meet her very white parents, despite his friend Rod's very good advice to stay the fuck away. He encounters the usual white liberal cringe of, we get it, we're the good guys, we voted for Obama, I would have voted for Obama for third term. Um, You know, all that fun mess. But something's off, especially when it comes to the only three black people he encounters while visiting the Armitage's uh, estate. Two are domestic workers, Walter and Georgiana, and then at the party, Andre. Uh, Within the first 24 hours, Rose's mom forcibly hypnotizes him to, quote, get rid of his smoking habit. But something far more sinister takes place that he dismisses as a nightmare when he wakes up in bed with Rose. Chris is unnerved, and after emotional heart-to-heart with his girlfriend, they decide to go home. And that's when things get really sinister. And suddenly, Chris is just trying to get out to save his own life. Get out! Get out! Something fun about this movie is that Jordan Peele is a film nerd. <laughs> I'm the whitest white person in the whole white America and listened to an interview with him on NPR, which is when I decided I wanted to see this because he like knew his shit about movies. And I was like, I love seeing movies made by film nerds. Like, let's go see this movie. Let's talk about the filmicness. You know, it's, it's clearly a very richly made film. And I would say that it feels uh, pretty Hitchcockian. Um, I didn't know this uh, until I was researching this for um, our podcast. Yes. Mm -hmm. But apparently there was a lot of like argument and it kind of became politicized whether or not this is a horror movie or a thriller. And that's because when it was nominated for an Oscar, the the some of the old heads at the Academy would feel much more comfortable with the concept of it being a thriller than a horror movie. So they were like, well, it's definitely is, a is thriller. Is that why it didn't win Best Picture? Because I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. This is a movie I thought should win Best Picture. And I don't... Yes, I think so, too. I, Get Out was a really incredible movie. And I'm not trying to say that as like some sort of credibility. I'm saying that as like... Filmically, if you haven't seen this movie, I don't know how many times I can tell you on this podcast, watch it. It's really, it's a really amazing debut piece from a uh, first time uh, m- movie director, Jordan Peele. To me, it reminds me a lot of, I've never seen this reference to something that he referenced, but to me, it feels very Night of the Hunter-esque, personally, um, in mm-hmm. that it is very scary and you were basically like holding your breath. You have tension the entire movie. <laughs> and the sets have kind of like it's realistic, but it's also incredibly dreamy. 
kind of like everything's sort of, you feel sort of like floaty and a little bit out of it a lot. And it has a lot to do with the fact, like the way that he cuts up conversations. Like you always, you feel a great sense of, um, you're very aware of your own internal situation as you watch this film, which reminds me of how I feel yeah. when I watch Night of the Hunter. Other things that I think are really cool filmically about this are the use of music, Sikulisa Wawahenga. Swahili never sounds right coming out of not a person who speaks Swahili's voice. Sure, yeah, sure, mouth. sure. Please, please, please pardon my pronunciation, but yeah. uh, Sikulisa Wawahenga is the title sequence and... Apparently, Jordan Peele described it as he wanted gospel horror. It's Swahili for, like, listen to your ancestors, in that it's saying, like, run, danger's coming, is uh, a literalization of get out. And it does such a good job of, like, setting the scene musically for what's coming. Like, there are a couple songs featured, but for the most part, like, that feels like the DNA of the film. Um, You also have the filmic quality of the sunken place. You have the repeated imagery of the deer. First, you see, like, a deer die on Rose's hood unnecessarily like almost sacrificially and then you see later on like he takes this deer that is a killed deer and a trophy used in the armitage's home and uses it to kill the armitages and it feels like such a statement of like that is what these black bodies are they're taking and appropriating guys we didn't speak to it but they're taking black people and they're cutting their brains out basically except for like a small part of them where they're no longer the operator they're the passenger and some old white person now gets to live a second life in a black body and also dean armitage says like he doesn't like all those deer he thinks the be- more deer that are dead the better yes the, deer- the way he talks about that is very much the way in which like very 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 racist humans in the world talk about well, black people and it's and it's the way in literally they did because a black buck is a was a old yes. timey racist term for yes. the type of black man who wouldn't bow to white man's superiority. That's what a black yeah. buck is. Someone that who needed to be uh, yeah. broken. These are things I learned when I uh, was in my first year of college and took uh, Southern history through film. Yep. I was privileged enough to get to learn about racism. Also, really interesting that like you have this sequence of black cars coming in for this party, and it feels like you know a funeral dirge, and then you realize that it is a funeral. It's Chris's funeral. He just doesn't know it. Let's let's go into characters. Mary, you wanna you wanna get started talking about Chris? Uh, David Kalua, uh plays uh, Chris. He is my favorite type of horror movie hero, and this is and actually he is where I see a lot of the Stepford wives in this story. Like he's like kind of a he feels like an an ancestor to or like the next progression of a of like uh, the main characters in the Stepford wives who are kind of like they know something's yeah. wrong but they can't actually leave because, like, where are they supposed to go? Um, yeah. And, I, you know, I think that what I really think is funny is when I read about this film, like, there's, like, 17 different, like, competing things about what Get Out means and where you came up with Get Out. Um, but the one that prevails, I think, the most is the peop- that the idea that, like, it's what people yell at the screen when you watch horror movies. Why don't you get out? Just get out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I think is. Yes. Yeah, the like, what? get out of here. Stop. As, Turn on the lights. Why is it so dark? Get as out. As a horror movie person, I think that it's very easy. It's sort of like, um, it's sort of like when people think that all horror movies are like what you see like in little clips in other movies at like drive-ins where it's like a woman like screaming and there's a knife. 
life. And like, that's what horror movies are to a lot of people. And I think those people like to dunk on him for having really dumb characters. Like, oh, why'd you run upstairs to running outside? And as a horror movie fan who watches highbrow horror and lowbrow horror, I don't really feel that a lot. It's I mean, like if you have like a poorly sure. written story, yeah, your characters are gonna do stuff that doesn't don't really make sense. But Yeah, no, I understand why people don't get out in most of the horror movies I see, but it doesn't mean I don't wish that they could or would. Sure. Like I wa- I watched Zippered Wives, the nineteen seventies version that we talked about on our podcast, plug for an earlier episode, and I I know exactly why she doesn't leave. Yeah. They the know most, exactly how to trap her. The most compelling but, stories are like this. If you have a yeah. calm, rational person who's put in a situation where that is clearly threatening, that is clearly bad, but smart, to say... artistic. Yeah. yeah. But to say... I mean, like, the most important thing is that rational. Like, they can be a lot of other things. They can be brave. They can be strong. They can be a lot of other things. But the most important thing is no, that they are... he knows that something's wrong. Yeah. That's that's the key piece. They have to know something's wrong. Otherwise, it's just, like, it's, like, pointless. But you need to be in a situation that's clearly threatening. And then... But they have to be compelled not to act on those feelings because it would either, A, reveal that they are vulnerable, which you definitely see here with Chris... Or B, it betrays a social norm, which it, this does both. So they stay. Yeah, this does both. Yeah. So they stay a little longer than they should, and then that's when the horror happens. And that is so, that makes so much sense because, like, that's the situation that we're in now in America. Yeah. Like, I know that there are children in cages at the border. Why don't I get yeah. out? <laughs> I can't, I don't yeah. know because like you don't know what to do like you it, yeah. to do so would reveal that I am vulnerable in some way and that I recognize this vulnerability and I'm worried but like I'm one person I'm vulnerable and also betray a social norm which is everything else about my about my culture is telling me that I shouldn't really worry about this that I have other things to worry about so it's hard yeah. so like that is that's he's the best in that way I love horror movies about this particular type of tension and with this particular type of character and there's a huge Absolutely. tradition of it like pretty much if you think about most horror movies that are good you have a character like this. The mom from the Babadook is like this. She can't escape because she is the monster, right? Um, yeah. Uh, Shelley Duvall in The Shining is this character. She can't escape because where is she supposed to go? <laughs> like, her her yeah. life and her child and her husband are what's haunting her. <laughs> like, where's she supposed to go? So it's it's cool. It's a good it's a good use of this, especially because like yeah, in our society, where are black people supposed to go? Like yeah, th- there is no getting out. Not really. Yeah, I love Chris, uh, obviously, but you spoke so well to all of that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Rose, um, played by Allison Williams. First, she gaslights him at the very beginning. Like we're gonna talk more about gaslighting later, but like. She gaslights him about her parents not knowing that he's black, as though that's something stupid for him to worry about. Uh, she gaslights him about mentioning things that are weird, um, making jokes. And so, like, all of this, like, low-grade sucks. But then there's an amazing bone-chilling turn, wherein you think that she's on his side. You think that she's trying to get out with him. I mean, you hope. You want that. And then she just, like, grabs the keys and says, you know, I can't give these to you, right, babe? And, like, her whole demeanor changes. And it's a it's a great performance. It's interesting because I think that we are, 
we're conditioned to want to believe the best in her because she's a monolith of the young white woman, uh, which is amazing because we've seen white women be the daughters and the girlfriend and the sister so many times that it's okay for um, a mostly straight white woman to be uh, a monolith of white women in this movie. It would be okay even if she wasn't all those things, but uh, it, it works so well because we're not confused about who this character is supposed to be, but we are so predisposed to like want to be on her side and not just because the, the, the protagonist wants to trust in her and cares about her and does trust her, but because like, we're conditioned to so they get to subvert that also oh my god who eats fucking cereal one fucking piece of fruit loop at a time and then drinks milk apparently that was allison williams idea yeah it's fucking she, creepy as shit she didn't want the coloreds to mix with the white um oh i didn't even oh yeah that's going on there um no I, that and the fact that she uses bing as her primary oh, search like, engine is like i have that in my notes too ultimate I was like, sign she's a sociopath uh-huh. <laughs> like oh uh-huh. my god also, um, like, when she, like, starts to, like, quote, realize that everything's fucked up, she makes him comfort her. Yeah. No, like she's... Like, a real asshole. She's it's like, oh, this is sucks. And he's like, it's okay. She's it's a okay. masterful... Like, she's gross. a masterful character. I, I do like that they make her irredeemably bad. So you start oh, out... yeah, 100%. You start out... Because, like... So I am a white woman in an interracial relationship. There are things when I watch this movie that I would like to believe... I understood differently because I am in that particular situation, just just by the nature sure. of my life. Yeah. And so when people talk about how, like, Rose always, se- like, seems really good, and even Jordan Peele talks about this, he's like, they had to believe she was really in love with him. And maybe it's because, maybe it's because I knew stuff going in. Like, it's possible. I don't really remember. But... My thing with Rose is the minute she's like, no, they don't know you're black. I'm like, oh, then you're not a very good white woman in an interracial relationship. Like, No, I, I I think you're right. I think when I first saw this, those didn't raise the same flags. And then I watched it again for this podcast. Yeah. And I don't mean the way that like sometimes we watch a movie and we're watching it like so much harder. No, I'm saying, but you I just like, notice. Yeah. I mean, then yeah, you just notice things. And like, I'm just saying, yeah, a bunch of things like in retrospect were like, serious red flags because like why are you gaslighting this dude yeah he's telling you how he feels why are you pushing up against it like if you actually cared about your boyfriend if you weren't using him to harvest black bodies for uh well scientific experiments then like you wouldn't you wouldn't do this you wouldn't just not tell your parents that the boyfriend you're bringing home was black like what well or or pretend that it's ridiculous he would bring it up with you like, that, uh, it's not ridiculous. Yeah. Like, it is something. And the hilarious thing, of course, is, like, of course they know he's black. That's the point. So it's, like, there's, like, a double shift there, right? Her yeah, saying... It's a, it's a double gaslight. Yeah. Her saying, like, no, of course they know. Um, so, like, I think that, that that made me notice and perk up about Rose earlier, which... And, and, and another thing was I saw, and this is, like, a vulnerable thing to admit, but I saw bad behavior that I have done in her, which is things like you experience something together that is clearly not right, that's clearly not right in the moment. It You didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel comfortable. She didn't feel comfortable. Like, if we're assuming she's not, like, a sociopath, which she is. Yeah, if, if she was actually genuine yeah. about her if she was a re- just in these moments. A normal person, right? Mm-hmm. And then afterwards venting to your significant other about how messed up it was. Like, I've done that. 
That's and, and yeah. it's bad behavior. Like it's, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> like I know that. Yeah. But this yeah. is like very helpful and instructional in that way. I feel like as I exited this movie, I was a better white woman in an interracial relationship than I was when I went in, which is which is good. That's cool. Yeah, I, I love that read. It's something I can't speak to, and I, you know, yeah, yeah, that's, that's super smart. But then they do good things by making her clearly so crazy, such that it's almost like when I first that's watched off it. The hook? No, it. it no, yeah, that's the wrong way to put it. It makes. It makes you understand that you can be a better person, but that she is irredeemably bad and that yeah. the the fear. So, right. This is entirely told from Chris's perspective. There is no choice from the audience. You have to I mean, you have to be pretty a pretty committed racist, I think, not to empathize with Chris <laughs> yes. in the story. Like, yes. Like, no, there's no if choice. If you can watch this movie and you're cheering for the Armitages, then like. Or even if well, you're, you're like, well, I don't know. Why is Chris so upset all the time? Like, n- even if even if you know the armatures are bad, like you do identify. Like, you would really have to fight, I think, yeah. to not identify with Chris or care about him. Filmically, like, we identify with serial killers if uh, <laughs> if the story is told from their perspective. Yeah. So, yeah. like, if you don't identify with Chris, yeah. I mean it. Like, I don't think you're listening to my podcast. So, yeah, yeah. no. Um, so I think that what she represents is is uh, this entire movie is things that black men are afraid of, right? Like, it's a story about the fears yeah. of black men. And we've talked about, especially um, when we when we do our horror films, the fears of women is usually what we're talking about, right? But this is the fears of black and, like, what women are afraid of. This is what black men are afraid of. And one of the things that black, women are afraid, black men are afraid of are white women who use their, their social power to, mm-hmm. to kill them. That's what they do. And yes. that there's a historical precedent for that. There is a reason that yes. that is something that is fearful. So it's good. Yes. It's good that she flips and it's almost like a snidely whiplash, like a kind of like level of villainy, because that's necessary, because that is actually what they were afraid of. Like, it's yeah. not it's not saying if you did. I think if you did it any other like if you pulled back even a little bit, there would be a question of, well, maybe the races just shouldn't mix. And Jordan Peele is a mixed race person. I believe he does not believe that he is married to a white woman. Sure. Absolutely. Like there's no way he believes that. So I think it's a very conscious and a very savvy choice to make that impossible, an impossible uh, idea to get across in this movie. You don't get that idea when you or at least I don't when I leave this film. It's not questioning whether or not the races should mix. It's saying when the races do mix and they will, this is something that is that black men are afraid of. And it has historical precedent. And this is what it would look yeah. like. You know? So that yeah. that's really cool. That's a really cool thing to do here. Um and they do a lot of yeah. they do a lot of I mean like I think the most chilling thing she does is after Chris is in the basement and she assumes is is like fully suppressed back into his mind, like is, is like permanently in the sunken place. She hangs up all her pictures of her other black conquests as trophies behind her. Like that is the the most one of like the most like subtle but horrifying things she does. I like, assumed that that was like her actual bedroom. And then before we were in like her stage oh. bedroom. Um, but I, but you might be totally right. Because I can't it did remember look like a different room entirely. Yeah, I can't remember. I'd have to look at their bed again. But yeah, horrible. Yeah, absolutely. And the idea that, like, she has an actual room where, like, no, this is the room that I get to be in. And my natural state is this, like, fully, like, robotically doesn't give a fuck about people person. Um, Yeah. 
Allison Williams is an interesting actress, too. Um, I didn't particularly love the series Girls. Um, and no, I me really, either. I really felt like uh, uh, Lena Dunham gave Marnie, like, the the shortest end of the skinniest stick possible. Like, she's yeah, almost... Yeah, 100%. Imp- she's almost impossible she's to like. She's almost impossible to care about at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't I didn't see the last season, but I yeah. I saw oh. enough of the show yeah. that I feel like I can I think speak I, to that. I think I bailed, like, mid-second season, too. But, yeah, I doubt it yeah, gets and, any better. And, and, and I watch longer than that, and I'm telling you, it doesn't get better. Yeah, I doubt it got Not better. Not at all. Um, but she... The scene where she's talking to Rod on the phone and, like, uh, apparently Jordan Peele talked to her and he was like, you need to have, like, two different personas. It needs to be, like, a light flips on and off. Like, you need to have, like... And he called it Rose, who is, like, the person who's in love with Chris, and then Roro, who's the psychopath. And he was like, I was really concerned. That's a hard thing to do, where she's, like, she's Roro visually in those scenes, but her voice is Rose's. And I think she pulls it off. It's a chilling scene to watch. She does such a good job. Like, I thought about that, too, because I'm like, it is really hard to be able to get your voice to be that emotionally affected without looking emotionally affected at all. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, feel, I I hated girls. It was hard for me to be like, oh, all the movies are great. But, like, that was a pretty masterful move that she was able to do. Um, yeah. No, it's... I, yeah. I think she's I think she's way better than a lot of the roles she's been given as evidenced by this film. I want to call out, before we move on from characters, that the actors that are Georgina and Walter have a the most tremendous performances. <laughs> I feel like no one talks about this, but they do not get enough accolades in my opinion. These are the uh, ground this is the groundskeeper and the um like housekeeper that yeah. are se- that are secretly the grandparents. The grandparents. Like, yeah. oh my goodness, the the only like to me they deliver the performance in like just kind of like smaller scale that uh, Lapita Nuango de- delivers in Us when she is the yes. mirror side. Like, that is wild that they were able to pull that off. And, and they do it so well. It's actually really fascinating. Uh, Georgiana, I think I think we're supposed to believe she was the first person mm-hmm. that went under this procedure. Um, she's the last photo that Chris sees. We also mentioned that, like, the grandmother was sick. She's a little... Um, and she's the most unstable. And she's the most unstable. Like, yeah. they say later on in the film that, like, they're trying to improve the process. And knowing about the process makes this all go better. And, like, she's the one who, like, just looking at a future victim is enough to, like, allow this other part of the brain, the lingering, the passenger and the the ghost in the shell mm-hmm. to come and take over. Um, Enough to, like, cry and, like... And like just 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 hate what is happening, and it is affecting every single fucking time. Yeah, she's she's spectacular, and I think Walter's pretty equally spectacular. Like he's just yeah. so. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, you can you you understand that there's like there's like a, a a frail being that's driving this this person inside, yeah. and that there's a a person who's been sort of tied up that's trying to fight that person like it's it's this it's this battle between someone who has all their limbs tied behind their back and like a frail individual like fighting like it's such a weird and to to capture that so clearly that's not even like a trope like you know like what yeah walter's fascinating we find out uh that uh 
Rose's grandfather was up against Jesse Owens at the Olympics and that he was beat. And we hear from Josh Lightman, a.k.a. Dean, that he he almost got over it. And I feel like that almost was this impotence, this impetus for this whole experiment. Oh, yeah. The idea that, like, well, you know, black people, their bodies are genetically superior, but their minds are inferior, so we should own them. Like, colonize their bodies, make them a passenger in their own skin, and then it will be, like, the best of both worlds. And, like, we hear this, like, echoed in uh, Jeremy, Rose's brother, talking about, like, if you like with your genetic makeup if you just pushed yourself and and we see like walter there's this moment where chris goes outside to smoke a cigarette and walter like is running like runs at him and like veers off the last minute and later on apologizes if she scared him and it was clearly like a white man being like look at how fast i run in this body and it's just like the grossest weirdest shit um uh, but also, yeah, I, also I just... a reference to North by Northwest. I know that off the top of my head. Yes, 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 yes. So it's crazy. So it's also sort of like being like, you're little, I'm big. Like, that's what that's what's going on in North by Northwest, too. Like, yeah. they're, they're tormenting uh, um, Cary Grant. And it's a similar kind of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's so smart to bring in, to, like, have that, like, little Hitler-ness uh, sprinkled in there because... I think I think what this story deals with is not what if races don't hate black people? What if they love black people, but they don't really think black people are human? Like they love them as yes. a commodity. So like you have they Hitler love them as a commodity. They want to colonize your body. Yep. Hitler's an idiot. Like the fact that like he wants to like, you know, the Aryan race to be like the superior race. No, no, no. If we as 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 gods and like wrapped in a cocoon Yep, could take over, which is something that like we hear uh, Dean speak to uh, when staring at the fire. Uh, could take over their bodies. Um, we could be really godlike. It's it's very it's it's very chilling, very mm-hmm. haunting shit. Uh, should we talk about themes? So right, so this is a story. This is a story about what black people and I think specifically black men are afraid of. And I feel like, and it's, you know, we've got we've talked about, like, is it horror? Is it thriller? It doesn't really matter. It's thrilling horror or it's a horrific thriller. Um, it's both, right? And it's a little bit of sci-fi. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about it because there's, like, a crazy medical procedure. Um, but it's definitely, regardless of it's horror or it's a thriller, it's, a, it's psychological comes before either of those words, right? Yeah. And so what... So different, so psychological horror or thrillers are always driven by, like, what is the psychosis? What is the psychology behind why this is upsetting to you, right? Let's if you go, mm-hmm. like, you can talk about, like, Freud's talk, speaking about the uncanny and things like this. But this is so smart, and it's, it's I think it's kind of, it's, like, it's simple enough such that you're like, oh, yeah, why would we be making psychological horror movies about this forever because it's systematic oppression i think is the psychological element here like the sunken place um represents what it's like to witness things that are going on but be held at arm's length and in a space where yeah where you can't you can't do anything the system just consistently muffles you no matter how hard you scream or fight like it doesn't matter it just like it just like you know suffocates you like that, yeah. that is, so I've, you know, I think Jordan Peele is so 
so masterful at taking abstract concepts that people might um, feel uncomfortable with and therefore try to reject and condense it down into visuals that are undeniable. Like when you see the sunken place and you see Missy kind of like snake, like kind of like snake-like approaching that little screen, which is the only thing that Chris can see, right? And everything else is a void. Like that's what it feels like. (laughs) Like you understand. You're like, oh, that's very frightening. Um, And so... You also also feel like they do a good job of and I, I know that this could be under gaslighting, but I put it here because of, like, you know, stomach compression. Even the allies in this film, the people you think are allies, Rose, like, um, try intervening when a cop wants to uh, get Chris's information, even though he wasn't driving the car. Uh, even when you think they're on your side, they're actually setting you up for, like, to devour you. Like, she doesn't want the cop to have... Chris's information because she doesn't want him to be in the system. She doesn't want him to, like, be clear that he disappeared after this. Like, she wants him to be another faceless, nameless black guy who just disappeared. Not one that, like, the cop has, like, a record of. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, like, the procedure itself is so uncaring and unfeeling towards, like... If animals are in pain, we believe we should put them to sleep. We believe that that is better, that that's a humane thing to do. They don't even think about (laughs) the human beings that are on the inside of these black bodies that they crave so horribly to fully scoop them out. They're left there. Like that is that see me seems like it's a it's 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 like it's a feature, not a bug a little bit like that. That is like not a bug. Yeah, that yeah. that's like a little bit a little bit of the allure of this is that your body is just kind of like overriding another person's consciousness, but they're still there. So yeah. and that I think is like it's, it's white supremacy and in a microcosm of yeah, a body. It's, it celebrates systemic oppression in a way that's really horrible. It's like, no, no, um, th- they can be there. We just push them down so hard and conde- and, pu- and like and silence them so much that all they can do is bear witness to our lives and bear witness to our success and bear witness to us enjoying their bodies and their talents. They have to do that because they have so little agency and power. That's what the systemic oppression is like, right? We're saying, yeah, your pain is worth it. Is a small price to pay relative to us for our. To our comfort and convenience or whatever. Yeah. 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 And probably make it make it taste a little bit better, right? Otherwise otherwise they'd be working on this, right? This that whole camera flash thing I would say is like the only flaw in this. I'm like, man, that must be happening all the time. <laughs> and so if we're to believe this has been yeah. happening for a long time, eh, I don't know. Although we only really see one other guy. But we see a lot of different people that Rose has brought home. That's like a slight unevenness in the film. Yeah, no, I, it doesn't bother me too much. No, 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 for sure. He I needs think, a, that, he needs a way to have someone tell him to get out. So it's fine. Yeah. Um, let's talk about gaslighting and the insidiousness of white liberalism. Um, I we we've we've mentioned a little bit how Rose uh, lies to him and laughs him off. Um, like specifically when he mentions like. I think Walter might be into you. And she's like, I'll talk to my dad about it. And he's like, 
no, don't, don't talk to your dad. I'm not trying to get anyone in trouble. I'm trying to have a conversation with my girlfriend. Uh, when, when he mentions, uh, that Georgiana, like, uh, unplugged his phone and she's like, oh, so you're just like so hot. People are like unplugging your phone. Like just all of this, like, well, and the fact that he's so sexy that people are unplugging your phone. And the fact that she reduces it to that and says it's a you problem when each time he sort of, he's referencing something that is a uncomfortable situation in interracial relationships, which are especially ones between a black man and a white woman, which is with with the situation with Georgiana, he's basically like, she might not like that you are dating a black man because you're colonizing her space. Like that's not that's a thing. <laughs> like that is a yeah. that is a, yeah. a a true social phenomenon that if you're gonna be this interracial couple, you need to deal with and think about yeah. and discuss openly. But instead she's like, oh, it's just because you're so sexy, right? It's you. It's not it's not a larger social construct. It's just you. You're all alone yeah. in this. That's messed up. Or yeah. When he's like, well, Walter might kind of have a thing for you, and now seeing you come here with another black guy, like, that's weird for him. She can't understand that. She's like, oh, oh, then that's a you problem. I'll bring in the higher power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's also a you problem. Or, like, this is something Uh you're making up. I'm going to go to the most, like, atomic method, which is that he should get fired. That's what she means. So she's Amy yes, Coopering no, it. no, that's exactly what she means. She's yes. Amy Coopering it. She's saying, like, we'll do the worst thing possible that we can do to this man to punish him for... Yeah, we'll take away his livelihood, even though you're just trying to have a conversation with your girlfriend about the fact that, like, you're shit's uncom- weird. Well, and, and he's yeah. having a conversation because he's uncomfortable, right? Yes. And each time yeah. she's like, oh, okay, so you, you want to you wanna act like a white man in this situation? You want to act like... Like, you're bothered that the groundskeeper might have a crush on me? Well, let's get him fired. That's what a white man would do. And he's like, no, like, I don't want to do that. That's yeah, not... no, exa- exactly. I don't want that. Yeah. So um, she's, she's like, she's, once again, this is like her colorblind uh, gaslighting towards him. Um, the yes. amount of times that Rose forces Chris to tell her that the creepy things happening are not a big deal or not towards oh that she shouldn't worry God. about them. So effective. Should be, en- should be enough to tell you that she's evil. Like, yeah. the fact that he is constantly called upon to make her feel better, to soothe her, you know, is just wild. Even the one moment where it seems like she has some sort of self-awareness after their first dinner is like, I just like, my dad with his like, you're... My man, like, I don't think he's ever even said or heard that. My brother and his genetic stuff, like, like, the bummer of it all is that they're no better than that cop. And he's like, I told you so. And she's like, I just, like, I'm so sorry. I hate being wrong. I'm so sorry. It's like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And you're like, it's not okay. None of this is okay. Well, and what she's doing there is what she's saying is my parents were not, were being socially lightly racist to you all evening long. And my brother was actually being like quite aggressive. You'll notice wildly that she, racist. You'll notice wildly openly well, racist. Well, and, and like violent. Like it's like a new yes. level. So like to to downgrade him to just racism is like also inappropriate. But what she yes. does is she does the thing where someone is like well, here's a situation that's a little bit messed up. Am I a terrible person? Do you think I'm basically Hitler? Am I the worst human being alive? And you have to, you're forced to be like, no, of course you're not the worst human being alive. 
that is a little messed up though. You know what I mean? Like, so what she does is she like moves the goalpost so crazily in the distance (laughs) such that he has, he's forced to be like, it's really not that big of a deal because when you put it in that context, it's not, but it's also not okay for your brother at dinner to be like, because of your genetic makeup, you would be a very excellent athlete. Like that's a very messed up thing to do. But when you compare it to police brutality, which is the goalpost she moves it to, he is forced to tell her that her family is not that racist. And that is a messed up thing that people do all the time socially. All the time. All, all the time. time socially. I have done it. I know. I know. Sure. Everybody does it. And it's messed up. Yeah. And you do it to comfort yourself because ultimately, Chris... You want to believe at least you're not that bad. Well, and Chris knows, a, Chris knows a little bit. And this must be... I think this is part of the tension also why it's really important for her to be an active villain as opposed to a passive villain. It's very important for her to pick up the gun and go after Chris versus just kind of like honey trapping them in. Cause and then like walking away and not yeah. having anything and being like, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. No, like, no, she's, she's 100% on board. Is because the, the more rational fear in an interracial relationship is what if we go to your house and your parents are racist, but you, because they're your family, because they're your blood, you actually will take their side over mine. Like that's the actual fear. Right. That's or that's yeah. the more rational fear. And yeah. it's important for her to push beyond that, because that is a rational fear that just has to get hashed out between a couple like of that course. is that's, of course, a thing like, you know, no one can talk bad about your mom except you. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, no, of, of course. So, right. But, like, but when other dynamics are introduced, like, you know, you got to you you have to do the uncomfortable thing, which is face reality. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of moms, motherfucking Missy. Oh, um, Missy. Missy, who uh, forcibly um, hypnotizes Chris uh, under the guise of trying to help him, like, quit smoking. But but that hypnotism scene was always uncomfortable to me. Watching it now, last night, um, I, it made, like, I wanted, I wanted to run away from the TV, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the idea of being able to watch... A young man who is reduced to being a little boy, like, reliving a trauma of his mother dying, and take that moment and trap him in it. It's so insidious and so gross. And it goes under gaslighting because, like, you know, she's, like, lying to him about, like, why they're there and what they're doing. But, like, it's true villainy and evilness. Um, I think, uh, for sure, I think what this movie does so well is it blends, so I would argue that all the Armitages represent um, a blend of old and new... Racism? Yeah, but like prototypical white figures that are racist. So I think like Missy is a combination of like the plantain mistress who seems kind of nice, but she actually secretly is like torturing like the inside help. secretly the worst. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like that's kind of what she is, but she's also a little bit of um, like a Hillary Clinton, like a Tipper Gore, like a woman who sees black culture or like sees the realities of the modern world and is like, that doesn't seem very safe to me. And I wish they kind of hit that note a little bit harder. I think that they do it with smoking. 
Like, yeah. where she's just cannot comprehend. That's my kid. Yeah. That's my kid, man. Right? You're like, like, you're, you're corrupting. Le- you're smoking around my kid? You're corrupting you're my her child. you like that? Yep. Yeah. So, and, and, and how does she control him? She controls him with a silver spoon. She controls him with her privilege. That is what both of those archetypes do. The plantain yeah. mistress is the protected, most precious person in her circle, and she controls everyone because to she's not strong, right? You could easily no. overpower her, but like she has all the privilege, so she can control you. Why? 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 Why can Hillary Clinton get away with pointing at black people and calling them super predators? Because otherwise, she has this guise of being like a liberal and helping people, and married to the first white man who claimed to be a black president. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. she also wields her privilege, right? Yeah. Um. If you if you move on to someone like Dean, aka Ugh. Josh Latham, Latham, um, <laughs> yeah, which is such perfect casting. Oh my gosh! Well, so <laughs> I read. So have you read the GQ? So in nineteen in uh, twenty nineteen, um, uh, uh, Bradley Whitfield did a uh, interview for GQ where they like just did a big profile on him, right? And in it, he I have not read this. <laughs> oh my gosh! I read it today. It is wild. Um, in, and in it, uh, the reason I tracked it down is in it, he admitted that he, the <laughs> Dean's now um, infamous line about how if he could have, he would have voted for Obama for a third term as like as like his, the sign that he is like a woke bay. His, his cred. Yeah. Yeah. His street cred. Apparently, um, <laughs> apparently Whitfield did not understand that that was a joke when he delivered the line. Like, he was like, oh, that's something that I would say in real life. Like, yeah. and then, and, like, Peel had to be like, no, dude, like, that's a joke. Like, that's, that's mean, what you're saying is actually meaningless yep. to a black person. Like, that's yep. not, imp- like, what, you, that's, a, that's a wild thing to say. Um, and the, then, so I'm, like, reading this, and I'm like, oh, it's pretty funny that they're, like, doing a profile on him and kind of, like, kind of like joking about him, you know? And yeah. then G. Crew says this. One of the most striking things about Whitfield, he's got a knack for playing characters that understand their power and their privilege and aren't afraid to put them to use, for good or ill. What the hell? I don't think that that's <laughs> this character at all, do you? No. I mean, like, he no. understands his power and his privilege, but he thinks he deserves it. To understand your power and your yeah. privilege is to understand that you were born under a lucky star. And that, yeah. b- like, in, in like if there was a twist of fate slightly power, different... He doesn't understand his privilege. Yeah. Like, or or if he, pri- he thinks he deserves his privilege. Well, like, I don't... And, that, and, that, and that's when you don't understand your privilege because you, you don't understand that it's a privilege. It's yeah. not a right. Yeah. Like... He he sincerely does not understand that, like, he was lucky enough to be born into a world in which, like, he is the prototype of what we want to assign power to. Not consciously, not actively, but systemically. Yeah. And 
to say otherwise is is a is a fucking joke. It's ridiculous. And, and if you think that the West Wing Josh is a character that understands their privilege, um, that's not my job to explain to you why you're wrong. That's everybody's <laughs> shouty leftist dad's job, Dave Anthony, to explain to you why you're wrong. And you can listen to it on his podcast, The West Wing Thing. And he will shout yeah. to you about it. And it's it's worth it. It's worth it. It's like my it's my most like angry listen. Like if I really want to get whipped up. And like get my blood all hot. <laughs> I will listen to that uh, just because he is so he's so angry. Um, and yeah, and uh, yeah, good, I, good. Someone, someone should be as someone who likes Aaron Sorkin, someone who enjoyed a love letter public service, as someone who thought I would be a speechwriter on point, and like went to college and understood all the things about the world I had no idea about. And I don't mean understood like in a final point, like but but had my eyes open and started to become acquainted with what the world was. Um, yes, we, we, we need that. Uh, I, <clears throat> speaking of, I would have voted for Obama for a third term. Uh, I did enjoy the meme that went around after the, uh, the black squares went up on Instagram. That was like, I would have put up two black squares if I could have just cause <laughs> still putting up funny. black squares. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think that he, I mean, he's probably the most modern. We understand him the most, but I mean, like he is the plantation owner. He sees black bodies as a way to make money. A tool. Yeah. And he extends it. The difference is that he's a blend because as opposed to deciding, as opposed to kind of hiding under the guise of, I hate these people, these people aren't human beings. He says, I love these people. These people are still not human beings. <laughs> like, yes. that's that's yes. that's the modern thing. And then Jeremy yes. is just, like, a classic Ku Klux Klan, like, psychopath. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, eugenics, like, yeah. 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 No, I don't, I don't know that... He is he's a psycho killer, Kaskase, fa 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 fa. You know, like yeah. which uh, we still have today. I mean, like to be at the very least punched in the fucking face, but that would just scratch the surface. And I'm not advocating violence. Violence doesn't solve violence. Blah blah blah. Yeah, the modern twist on it is, I think, as opposed to like Ku Klux Klan, which are supposed to be like soldiers. If you like watch. Um, if you watch uh, Birth of a Nation, kind of thing, like there's that does yeah. the heroes. Yeah, have have seen it. Yep. yep. Now instead, he's like a med student. He's like privileged in a different way. <laughs> like he's now like a pretty. He's supposed to be like a pretty boy, rich guy, right? Dress Porsche. Yeah. He's like probably like I don't know, like twenty two. Um, yeah. Yeah. He he plays though the song uh, "Run Rabbit" whenever he uh, whenever he is going out and attacking black people to bring back to uh, to be used. Which is a song about, like, getting away from the farmer who has a gun, but you're not able to. And it's just, like, the level of buy-in you have to have. And both self-awareness, but, like, a psychotic kind of self-awareness where, like, you're self-aware about the crimes you're committing, but not in that you think that it's a crime. It's... Jeremy's... I don't want to say fascinating, but, like, I enjoyed seeing him die. Uh... Yeah. He, he is very, he's a, he's a terrifying, he's like a, you know, Mike Myers level, scary, like, you know, figure who, who seems unstoppable. So it's, it's enjoyable to see him get stopped. The only yeah. thing I want to end with this is hitting the note that this, when this was written and why yeah, it's it. the way it is. Okay. So I think that, so this came out in 2017, right? Mm-hmm. And famously, so we were living in a post-Trump world at that point. 
Yep. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, this is this is what's I think a lot of people thought it was going to be from that vantage point. Right. But it wasn't. Yeah. It's quite it's an old script that Peel like honed. And I think he wrote like 200 different iterations of it, like like really like ma- which shows it's masterfully done. It's masterfully done. He but, clearly made it. it's it's the kind of script where every line carries its weight. But he wrote it as a response to being greatly disturbed um, under the Obama administration to see um, kind of thought pieces and um, scholars. Post-racial America? Yeah, talking about post the post-racial, uh, that we were in a post-racial America. Look, we have a black president. Racism is solved. Hooray! Which I even yeah. remember when Obama was elected the first time. Like, thinking to myself, too, like, I was like, oh, does this mean, does this mean it's solved? Like, you know, way back in, what, 20, like, 2008? Um, yeah. But, like, Jordan Peele, yeah. of course, and I think at this point, like, it was sort of, <laughs> it was starting to feel a little bit sad because, of course, there were massive amounts of, you know, racist events and crimes and police brutality under the Obama administration. It clearly didn't fix anything, you know? Yeah. And yeah. arguably, post-Obama... I don't think you could say that the the lives of black Americans were much better. Um, yeah. I think it would even be fair to say they might be a little worse <laughs> than they were when he started. So, yeah. you know, I think that that makes sense when you I think... I genuinely don't know if that's the case or not, just, but, like, I'm, I'm, it's not something I'm, <laughs> I just don't, yeah. I, I don't have any, like, particular, like, things to point to, but I, what I am saying is that I don't... It's not like it's not like the what I believe is the next wave of the civil rights movement, which is what is happening now. It's not like that magically happened when Trump no. assumed office. All of this stuff has been bubbling up for a really, really long time, which yeah, makes Ferguson. me think. Yeah, which makes me probably even further back than that. Which makes of, me, of, of yeah, course, of which course. makes I me just... think that the plight of Black Americans has not been getting better, and I think has been getting steadily worse. You know, like yeah. now we can all see it at the very least. Um, so they have, we have evidence to the fact because yep. people have yeah. cameras and are recording things on their phones, which is great. Um, but he said that he like peppered the script with, uh, with things that would feel that were foreign to him as a, a black person, which felt very white. Like the fact that Jeremy's like wields a lacrosse stick and just like various yeah. elements that are in the Armitage home, like that whole party situation. He's like, these are things that now that I am in a space where I have to go, where I go into white affluent spaces all the time because I'm a celebrity, I see now and are scary to me, like threaten me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they're not, they're not familiar to me. So that's what he wanted to write the story about to kind of challenge the idea that this neolib fantasy we were living at that time fixed all our problems when it certainly did not. Um, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I will point out, it is interesting to see that this script really didn't get action until... Trump's America? Well, it's definitely like the 2016 election, right? Yep. No, for sure. For sure. Um, We were... A lot of us... <clears throat> a lot of white people... Uh, felt so happy to have Obama as president and, and fell asleep. Yeah. He made um, us feel very safe and very warm. Yep. And mm-hmm. not proud of it. Hate to say it, but I'd be lying if I said it was otherwise. Yeah. 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 Uh, 
uh, do you want do you want to leave us into the last thematic piece? I have a couple notes on here, but you know. Sure, 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 sure. Um, on the topic of those white parties, probably my favorite. It's hard because I really like this movie as a like a whole piece, so it's hard to like choose a favorite. But I think if I was trying to convince someone to watch this movie who would be like, I don't know, like for whatever he's like, I don't know if I'll like a horror movie scary. I think I would just show them the party scene, which is, I think is like the carousel of microaggressions. Yes. And be like, don't you want to see this movie? Like, come on, this movie looks pretty great. Um, But like, and and the- Gordon loves Tiger. He just, he loves him. And it's so awesome because it's so much more, so it's, it's a carousel of microaggressions, but it's actually quite like putting that in the context after you've seen it once. And this is something I did not pick up the first time. It required a second watch when I realized that what they're doing is they're sizing him up as a commodity. Like the reason they make the guy who talks about tiger makes him like, you know, show his golf form is because he's deciding how much money he would bid on this person. Yes. Wild. And then, no. And it's honestly, I, Having seen it another time, I I wondered if those times when uh, Chris walks away, if Rose is like, "Can you can you all chill out?" Because I think she genuinely is like, "You all are, you guys are way tipping the hand." Yes, yeah. It looks like when you're watching the first time that you're like, "Oh man, like Rose gets it," and the second time you're like, "Oh man, Rose doesn't understand why they have no chill." I can't about. I can't decide if that's why she feels that way or if it's all just an act. The only reason I would say that is because I do think it's like a light like a light switch flips. So I would believe it if it's an oh, act that for, she's like for sure. Oh yikes on a bikes. But I think that they're so I can't say what I like Openly egregious? Yeah, I think that on some level, they just, like, they're so confident that they have him that he can't get out that they don't even care. They don't even care if the jig is sort of up because it's, like, a done deal in their minds. So, like, to some degree, I kind of like that better. So I I don't think she really cares. No, you're right. Um, and, and probably it's part of the game for her too. Like probably like she introduces and baits him into having those conversations where he is forced to be like, no, no, like where he, he basically, she invites him to fall in a situation where she can gaslight him. Like she doesn't have to do yep. that, but she likes it. Nope. That's part of the game for her. Yep. Um, yep. But that whole scene is amazing. Um, and, and I think it also forces us to reckon with, because all of us, all of us experience microaggressions to some degree. Like we're pretty passive aggressive society, yeah. um, and and we're pretty angry as a society. So we do it all the time to each other. But I think it it forces us to think about like really what is at stake with microaggressions and why do we do microaggressions? And uh, you know, it gives you some pause. Like, am I? Do I do that because I want someone to feel like less of a person? Probably. Am I doing it because to some degree I feel like I feel like this person is a commodity to me compared to me? Maybe. Depends on, I guess, what you're doing. But also, I think that this is why I wanted to talk about uh, This is America before this, because it gets at the same idea of like this juxtaposition between we want to make money off of, but we don't want to hear. We don't actually want to hear what black people have to say. We'd like to be entertained by them. We don't actually, like, care about the person that's left in the body. It's, in fact, a little bit extra delicious to get to, like, override that ghost in the shell as we, uh, as we take over this body. 
Yeah. They're very clear that that's what's going on. It's not like they're lying to these people, you know? Nope. Um, and I also think it's funny that they never directly say in this, it's because you're black. They know, ne- like, when, when, and Chris asks a couple of times or introduces that as a topic a couple of times, like the, the blind man who wins him, quote unquote, who bids for him yeah. and wins. Um, he's like, why do you do this to black people? That's explicitly, he's like, why do you do this to black people? And he basically is just like, I don't know. You guys are in fashion. Like, that's why. So it's also. No, he, he, he's like, some people think you're in fashion. I just like, you know, I don't care about all that. I hope you respect me enough to know I don't care. I just, I want your eye. It's like. Yeah. I don't, I don't care about like the credibility of you, but I want to still devour your body. I want your talents. Yeah, I want which your talents still, for mine. Right. Yeah, which is still, like, just the most horrifying thing. Um, but it's like, these people can't even... Chilling. These people can't even understand... Like, they can't even grapple with the idea that the reason they're doing this, because the, the reason they're doing this is because they're racist. They don't view chris as as much of a person as if he because he is black like that is why they do it and no one admits that outright like dean kind of comes the closest to it but even he kind of like pussyfoots around it so it's like it's like a weird it's weird where they are so aggressive towards like i mean like they're so aggressive they like beat him up and drag him to the basement to scoop his brain out right like there's no question that what they're doing is enslaving him. But even then, they don't yeah. really deal with it. <laughs> like, they don't yeah. admit it aloud. It is. Because that's not the liberal way. Yeah, it, it is clever um, in that, in this discussion of slavery and enslaving the body, that um, that it is both Chris's trauma, his, like, his uh, physical response to his trauma to, like, scratch at things. And um, also a a physical, tangible artifact of slavery, cotton, that is how he uh, how he overcomes this. Yeah. What is the significance? So we're talking about power structures, basically, here, and, and how, basically, these white people just assume that they are, as Dean puts it, almost like godlike creatures who are, whose purpose on Earth is to achieve immortality. And, to, and that they're going to do this on the black backs of black men. It, why do you think it's significant that basically all the victims are black men except for Georgiana? Like, why would that be? I mean, I, I think it's significant in the way that um, I think the people who the people who get this opportunity are the mother who's dying. You know, if if if, if the father, the grandmother, but, you know, uh. But yeah, he saves his mom. Dean's but, mother. Um yeah. and and his father is like the one who helps like come up with this whole procedure. Uh and then it is the men in power. I think is really like the the impetus for why um all these men are married to younger women. It's not less of an issue for them right now, but it is very much like a the people of the most privileged still are the ones who reap more privilege, even if everyone else is complicit. And we are complicit in uh, white supremacy. <clears throat> yeah. I think it we al- don't want to be. Yeah. And I think it also kind of like is a nod to um, like the mass violence and incarceration we accept for black men as part of our like capital gain, <laughs> like the capital gain we expect to get as a nation. Right. Like, the yeah. amount of the yeah. amount of times we imprison black men, which benefit you know for profit prisons, 
is astounding in this country. And we've even designed our criminal justice system so that we can particularly target them. Like, so I, I think you have a little bit of that. I also, but yeah. I also appreciate, I think that, um, like, of course, we see that Rose uh, wooed whoever Georgiana was before she became Georgiana, right? And yeah. and and brought her in just as she did Walter and all the men. But I like that we don't have it be completely that she's like a villainous bisexual. Like, it's just kind of like mm-hmm. lightly put in there, but like, we don't we don't hit that too hard. I think that that's nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would agree. Um, having seen movies in the past where uh, the evil lesbian trope uh, was enough to turn me off entirely. <coughs> Side effect. Um, I with 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 that said, uh, I think that there would still be value to this movie, even if like she was more clearly like queer. Uh, I'd you know there'd still be something there, but I do appreciate uh, that it's mostly about this very white normative family yeah as a, as a queer person well and yeah. i think it's also sort of I, I think what we're supposed to interpret from that is like this is not about love or sex love. for her at all like no. this is about this is this is about power this just is about the bodies that they need yeah 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 so like yeah she would be down to like get more women but that's not who they need they only needed one at so far yeah so whatever yep. which which to me means that she falls in sort of like a jeffrey dahmer spectrum of sexuality versus a sure 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 versus uh, versus, versus queerness or whatever right i yeah, yeah no of course i'm just as you know if she's going to be the monolith of the white woman, I'm okay with her being the monolith of the white woman we see all the time, not a monolith of a white woman that uh, we don't get enough exposure to already. This is a sci-fi podcast. Um, let's talk a little bit about, like, what about this being sci-fi makes it powerful. Um, if I'm going to start, I'd say that what what's great about sci-fi is it's able to liter- literalize abstract ideas uh, in a way that they're easier to reckon with. Um, I remember talking to my mentor about this movie uh, and he was like, do you, do you really think white people would give up their privilege? Um, he was asking me as a black man and I, and, and, and I'm seeing this again and thinking about that question in the back of my head. Um, I think sci-fi lets you see the ways in which, uh, the rules wouldn't apply if white people could have the black bodies. There's a hypothetical scenario in which they get to exist in both spaces because everybody in their community knows that they're white even if they're operating a black body. And that is something that's really clever about yeah. using sci-fi in this. Well, you get to have it both ways. And I almost feel like they kind of like Sneaky Pete address it when um, I can't remember what, I think it's maybe his name is Logan. Yeah. Logan. But, Andre, Andre formally, then Logan. Yeah, Keith Dre. Stan- Lakeith, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, yeah. uh, uh, hero of Sorry to Bother You, and also Atlanta and... And also our hearts. Mega dream boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he kind of talks about it, right? Like the there's that weird, like, like Chris is basically like, ha ha, they're asking me about the black experience. And so he asks, of course, like an ancient white man's a black man's body. So it's like, it's actually pretty comedic when you watch it for the second time. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Chris was just saying how it makes him more comfortable because I'm here. Right. <laughs> and, and like, right. Chris right. is like, look like that's basically like, why? Why are you? T- why are you telling them that? Why, why are you saying like a this? moment you and I are sharing? Like this is, this is you and I. I heard Jordan Peele speak about this on NPR, where it was like, you know, if you are the only other black man in the room, like, and you all have that moment, it's not like a moment for anyone else. Yeah, no, and for sure. 
And it's almost like a betrayal of Chris in that moment. Yeah. No, he, that's, yeah, for sure. Um, but, but the thing that Logan says, that Dre, now Logan says, is, well, I'm now a homebody. I don't really go out that much. And I think that, so I think that there is sort of this, um, this, like, it's the same thing where the Armitage is, it's very important that they have so much privacy. So I think what we're meant to understand is these people have reached such a level of power and privilege such that they can just kind of put on a black body as a, like a costume and an experience and move into spaces that they don't belong in and wouldn't have access to normally, but then they get to return to their compound and it doesn't matter anymore. Like they don't actually have to deal with like police brutality and they certainly never thought about it. They already have the privilege and wealth. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and even if they did, like I, I, this is this is probably reading into it too far. But I wonder if it's almost like he doesn't really want to go out because he knows that that's a thing, right? He knows that there are disadvantages to being a black I'm person. Sure. So instead, he's kind of hanging closer to home, and it's it's like something he didn't bargain for. But now he's there; it's sort of a problem, you know. Um. I mean, I I think it's I think it's probably a yes and to the fact that like. Part of why it's so easy for us to over-police black communities is without enough wealth and space, you are more visible and accessible to the law. And with the wealth and space that this older white man has accrued, he's able to just kind of hunker down and be untouchable. Yeah. Even if he's in a black body now. Plus, you never see the only couples that you see that have fully assimilated into this process are the grandpa and the grandma, and even they have to pretend to be help. <laughs> like, right? Yeah. So I think there's yeah. also yeah, think, you don't get to see what they're like when Chris isn't there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think it also sort of is is, is another sort of um, satirical jab at interracial relationships where like even the cop that Rod tries to talk to is like, well, it's a young black man who's now dating a white woman. So of course she has to dress the way she wants. Like, like like it's funny to her, you know, (laughs) uh, we, we talk about if there's a surprise twist. Um, I would say that the overall scenario isn't the twist or the surprise. Um, you know, you know that there's something wrong as you're watching this, but I think that the end, when instead of it being a cop that pulls up while he was strangling Rose and then stops because he can't do it, uh, and then you see the red and blue lights of a cop, and he looks over with his hands in the air, and she turns into the fragile white victim instantly again, and instead of it being a cop, and it's Rod of the motherfucking TSA, as he says... Uh, that's when my theater cheered, <laughs> and it's, uh, Jordan Peele talked about how, like, he had, he wrote this one way, wherein the cop comes and Chris dies, you know, very, like, oh. Night of the Living Dead, very, I thought did you he, not know that? No, 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 I thought that that was what people assumed happened when he said it was a darker ending, but actually what happens is he just goes to prison forever, so it's, like, more of a commentary on the prison industrial complex. No, uh, what I had read, and this was years ago. We should have uh, watched it. We're now I think it's part of that. Yeah, I, I just read it today, and I was like, oh, I always assumed that the cop killed him, but instead it was supposed to be, and then, like, Rod talks to him, and it's basically like, well, they don't have any evidence against you, but you will go, you are going to be in prison for the rest of your life. Yeah. Well, maybe this was one of those things where, like, there were, um, 
there are multiple, you know, because we, we do know that there were, um, that the, the script was written multiple times. Uh, so maybe, like, an early version was him dying. Because, like, I, it was very much like a reference to The Night of the Living Dead, what I had read. Um, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, no, um, <clears throat> it's interesting because we do see Rod, like, talking to the cops. We do see him trying to go through the channels. And we see, like... You know, here we are in 2020 having conversations about cops. Uh, but we see the cops being the oppressors, even black cops, like being like, you know, I not not trusting him, not wanting to lift a finger about it. Like, obviously, this is a joke. And like and and how he has to uh, he has to take it in his own hands. And it's a joke because it's TSA and we don't take TSA very seriously. And we definitely don't. Rod saying he has the exact same training as a room full of detectives, obviously, is, is played for laughs, you know? Uh, <laughs> but getting to have that line at the end where it's like, oh, that's what we do. T.S. motherfucking A. We take care of business. It's lovely. It's 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 lovely. It was a wonderful twist to have uh, Chris not die. That was the twist. The twist was a black man gets to live. And that's pretty dark and ironic when you think about it. <clears throat> yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I mean, like, I feel like the twist to me is that um, there isn't a mystery. We know the whole time that there's something really wrong. So it's not a twist. Mm-hmm. It's it's very step 40 and in that way yeah. where it's not it, like we want the details, but that doesn't really count as a twist. Instead, what we're no, saying is no. Yeah, the central mem- mystery is not the twist. Right. Instead, the twist is sort of, is more um, satirical in that, which is to say, you know this happens. You know, Like, maybe not yeah. literally this, but stuff like this does happen, and you know that this is a flaw in our society, and the twist, the joke, is that we just keep going on as if it isn't true, but it is. Like, yeah. like that's yeah. that's the twist. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I mean the ending, like uh, he decided to make it more uplifting in the wake of uh, Trayvon Martin's death, and I think that that makes sense. He was like, "Listen, we deserve uh, we deserve a win." Um, yeah, yeah, and I, and I agree. Yeah, and I'm and I'm really glad that that's what we were given because honestly, it makes the movie infinitely rewatchable in a way that the other ending it would have been harder to rewatch. It's nice to watch it when you already know the end and know that this is awful and Chris is not okay, but he's at least going to live to fight another day. Yeah. One assumes. Yeah. It's, uh, well, and also he gets to leave, um, he gets to leave Rose to die the same way his mom died, which I think is what he does. Like, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's that he can't stomach strangling her to death. Like, I think he wants to. Instead, he sees this as sort of a, a poetic, uh, a poetic piece of justice that he can inflict on her. Um, And you see that with like his inability to let Georgiana die in the same way his mother died. Like, and the fact that like, even though he knows he shouldn't, even though he knows that that's not actual, like that Georgiana doesn't have full use of her faculties, that uh, this grandmother instead, the Armitage inside has the use. He can't just leave her there. Um, Yeah. Yeah, the only thing I shouted at the screen is I was like, take her picture. <laughs> like, you know how this works. Give yeah. her a little flashy, dude. Like, she's she's not, she's very aggressive. She's quite aggressive. Yeah, I, I, the, I didn't even think about shouting gra- that. Gra- um, Grandma Armitage is quite aggressive. She will mess you up, dude. Like, just it was, it was, free it Georgiana. Was fun. 
Hashtag yeah, free Georgiana. <laughs> it was fun foreshadowing um, where you have like, okay, so you have, we see the deer, we see the deer die, we see like uh, Chris use this trophy head of a deer to kill um, Dean. And then we see like this literal trophy, this black man who using a flash, Walter is freed for a moment. He asks Rose for the gun and says, like, he wants to shoot himself. And then he uses that. He uses his body, his briefly liberated body, to uh, deal a, well, not, like, immediately fatal, but a fatal blow to Rose. I thought that was very fascinating. Oh! He, Walter meant he wanted to shoot Chris himself, right? Yes, but yeah, okay. but he took it and he instead he yeah, shot yeah, Rose. Yeah, 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 and it was, like, just like how the, the trophy deer was used to kill Dean... The trophied black man uh, was used to kill Rose. Well, and also, how awesome is it that that Rose tells uh, Chris at the beginning that it's not like my dad's going to meet you in the front lawn with a shotgun. Instead, it's her. She has yes. the shotgun. Yes. Um, also, she's dressed like uh, like she's on safari. I do think it's funny that Rose changes her clothes after that happens like six times. So when she talks yeah. to Rod, she's wearing like that weird white turtleneck, which is very psychotic. Mm-hmm. And th- and then she like puts on a pair of like high boots and, and khakis. And like riding, riding like uh, yeah, yeah, khaki. riding pants. I, I don't think she's literally wearing jodhpurs, but I think she's just wearing like, she, it's like very emblematic of that. She's supposed to be like a yeah. safari, like the, the colonizing safari hunter and like has yes. like the white shirt and those, she might as well be wearing a pith helmet. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating shit. I don't have well, anything uh, problematic to address. No, not even a little bit. Um, Mary, uh, do you want to do want to leave us off on if this movie works if it's feminist? Yes, I don't. I mean, I love this movie. I think everyone should see it. I don't think it's especially feminist. I think it deals with issues of body autonomy and equality, which feel are very traditionally feminist themes, but I think it's pretty appropriately squarely faced on what scares black men, what is scary in the world to black men, and that is rare enough to see in media that it's definitely yeah. worth paying attention to, um, and I think it would get kind of like muddied up if we, if we injected too much of um, feminist ideals into it. Um, yeah, I would, I would just stand that and just say that like if we don't if we don't think that black oppression is a feminist issue, then we're erasing black women from the conversation about feminism. Oh yeah, no, that's like ridiculous. Yes. And yes. and that's and in that way I consider this to be feminist. Yes. Yes. Because it in the, speaks in the to way... issues that are important. Yes. And if we stand for any for any flavor of inequality, then we are we are chained. Um yeah, you know, like we don't we don't free ourselves. So there's no way there's no way to push a feminist agenda that leaves out black. It's women. not intersectional. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm totally. not trying to speak for black women. Totally, I'm talking about like the human condition, women of of other women. Yeah, um, and the fact that like this is something we have to acknowledge. Yep. If our feminism isn't intersectional, it's bullshit. That's correct. All. Um, I think that it's incredibly exciting to see a movie that is, that is, this is an incredibly generous story, um, in that it allows basically anyone to do what, to do kind of in a, in a kind way, 
what the Armitages are talking about. We are all dropped into Chris's shoes and we see the whole movie from his perspective and we understand more what it is like to look through the world through his eyes, right? And that is what art is supposed to do. Um, Just a couple of quick call-outs. If you enjoy this movie or that appeals to you in general, I would recommend that you read Ralph Ellison's uh, Invisible Man. I read an undergrad and it changed my life. Um, And then I went on to read uh, Jesse Redmond Faust's Plum Bun and Nella Lawson's uh, novella Passing. And they also changed my life and deal with um, kind of issues of being able to move back and forth between black and white spaces. Um, And I think it's been very helpful for me um, being in an interracial relationship. Very, very awesome books. And... I, I recognize something actually in watching this. If you find yourself at this moment in time wanting to engage, like you obviously I hope that you you like want to fight for Black Lives Matter. If you find yourself not connecting with thought pieces or finding them to be contradictory, where one's like, you should check in on your black friends. No, actually that's the worst thing you can do. Like if it feels like a bunch of white people shouting rules at you, or if you, like most of us, do not have access to scholarly works on America's uh, systematic uh, systemic oppression. Um, dive into media. Look, watch movies and read literature. Um, if you're like me, that will naturally lead to other resources that are that will like flesh out the history for you. Like your curious mind will seize on those things, and it's just like a good on ramp to that. Uh, you know, and I I think it's easy to it's an easier thing to approach this from a place of um, wanting to empathize and understand, even if you can't fully understand, than it is to kind of follow prescriptive rules about what one should be doing now. And it feels a little bit more genuine. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. Yeah, And you're right. There are a lot of voices shouting at each other, so... Yeah, it's kind of hard. I mean, if you're just trying to like out. do the right thing, quote unquote, that is good. You should want to do that. Um, but I think it's helpful to like kind of get your like heart and mind straight about like what this experience is like and a nice way to do it without burdening another human being with teaching you since you shouldn't do that is there's lots of great art that is very generous in this way. And if that's something that appeals to you, you should you should find it. There's lots of good yeah. stuff like this. Oh, so thank you, of course, for listening to Space Bras. You can head on over to whatever podcast catcher that you use, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, whatever's on your phone. We're there. You can subscribe, rate, or leave us a review while you're there, which would be wonderful. You can also find us on our website, outrageousmechanisms.com slash space dash bras um, to find our other ep- episodes um, and look for any uh, show notes. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to talk to us more, we're there. Awesome. Now uh, let us <laughs> raise our glasses uh, and join us as we give the official, if slightly modified, Space Bras toast in these troubled times. <sighs> Say their names. Remember them. Uh, we must remember that even though Systems of oppression are awful and suck and make lives harder. Um, People who fight against them, uh, which we are taking up the call to do every day and hope you join us. So we are awesome. All of us who respond and want to dismantle white supremacy. And hey, 
the galaxy really can't be ours. So, cheers! Outrageous.